about this time of year, every year, people, older people, start going down to Florida. Right? A lot of people go down to Florida, they retire. They go down to Florida sometime in early November, mid-November, and they um, stay there four or five months, three four months. Right? You have other people a little younger, maybe go back and forth. So, my question is, usually happens around Thanksgiving time and so, so my question is, is the concept of retirement, the, the concept of retirement, does our Torah agree with this concept or not like the concept? Guy says, I worked 30, 40 years, from 25 to 65, now I'm 65, I want to retire. That's it, I'm finished working. Close it, lock the door, leave the office, and I'm going to sit back, get my golf trainer. I'm going to golf on mon- Sunday, Wednesday, and Friday. On Monday, I'll play co- Monday and Tuesday, I'll play cards. Thursday, I'll go with my wife, errands, get into a couple of fights, and I'm going to be retired. That's my retirement. That's what I'm going to do. I have enough money. I'm good. I'm going to relax, play with the grandkids. This is my week. Golf, cards, Cards, golf, cut, wife, cards, golf, or whatever. You decide. And that's what he's gonna do. He's gonna do it instead of working. That's he's gonna right. retire, exactly, go out to eat two nights a week, take whatever. He's got the whole thing, nice, relaxing, he eats lunch three days a week with some of his boy, with some of his older men friends, and he goes down to Florida, he stays there five, six months, and he comes back for two weddings. And he stays there, and he's having a good time, and he's relaxing, and he goes to shul, he's a good man. Is this a Torah concept or not? A Torah mindset or not? Last week we mentioned, last week we mentioned, before we answer the question, we'll answer it soon, it's not going to be until the end of the class to answer, we'll answer in the middle. Last week we mentioned a the fact that we really just learning Torah and is doing mitzvot. And we said that Torah really far away is mitzvot. And we said that the study of Torah is not just in order to get you to know the answers. We said if you had a Torah GPS system that could give you the answer to all your questions, Torah study would still be important. Torah study is still very important. It's still connected to all the mitzvot. I want to explain a little why that's the case. Why is Torah study important even if you knew everything you needed to know, and all the mitzvot you needed to do, Torah study is a point. I want to explain it, and then when I explain it, we're going to get back to this concept. The, yes, right, very good. So here we go. There is a machloket, the Rambam and the Ramban. Whether, is praying tefillah from the Torah or from the rabbis? We know Kriyat Shema is from the Torah. How about praying? Is praying from the Torah or from the rabbis? The Ramban, the Gemara seems to be say, and the Ramban therefore holds, that the, the praying is the Rabbanan. Again, Kriyat Shema is from the Torah, but praying is from the rabbis. They establish that we pray, they establish that we pray three times a day, and so on. The Ramban says no. The Ramban says praying is from the Torah. How many times a day you do it is from the rabbis, and how you do it, and the wording and so on is from the rabbis. But the concept that a Jew has to pray to his God every day is from the Torah. And his pasuk is, 
and you serve God with all your heart, Ulu'avdo'a means to work, to serve. What is the Avodash Ibaleh? What's the service of Hashem is with your heart? That is Tifila. And praying, therefore, he says what the Pasuk says, Ulu'avdo'a b'cholim avachim, that's a mitzvah, one of the 613, mitzvah to pray to God every single day. Thank you. You got it? At least once a day. The rest, three times a day, is from the rabbis. The words you say is from the rabbis, but the concept of saying, God, please, Hashem, I need help, and in any way, that is from the Torah. So, around one of the commentaries on the side, the Kesef Mishnah, which is an ancient commentary, four or five hundred years ago, the Beit Yosef, five hundred years ago, he asked a question. He says, I have a different pasuk. He says, the pasuk, you use the Lord, why don't you use this pasuk? There's a pasuk that says, Oto ta'avod, him you should serve. You should serve God. Why don't you use that pasuk? So he gives one answer, he says, is that Abam could use that pasuk, but he just chose this one. The second answer is that no, that pasuk is not clear that it's talking about praying. Because Ototah Avod is talking about two things. It's talking about praying, and it's talking about learning. And therefore, then Abam can't use that as a source, because he wants a source that's something that only is referring to praying. So therefore, his source is But the Ototah Avod is talking about both. So a commentary on the commentary. You ready? You got the Rambam. You have Kesef Mishneh. And on the Rambam, the Kesef Mishneh is a commentary. It says, from the Kesef Mishneh's point, you see something very important about Torah study. You see, the pasuk that says, you should serve and work for God, is a pasuk that is a source, or one of the sources, to study Torah. In other words, Torah study is called Tavot. It's called Avodah. It's called work. The concept of why you study Torah is not just to get the result. The concept of why you study Torah is so that you should work. So that you should toil in the Torah. Why is that? Because by working in Torah, and by understanding, and delving, and working, and breaking your back over it, understanding it, you are getting closer to Hashem. There's one rabbi I used to say, some used to say that, in order to learn Torah with the right intent, it should be to learn Torah to serve God. Another one, Nevesh Chaim says, no. Rabbi later writes, says, no, you don't have to do that. As long as your mindset is to understand what the Torah is saying, that's all you have to think. What I'm doing here, what does the Torah say? That's it. That's considered L'Shem Shemayim. That's the perfectest intention. Because if you're trying to understand what the Torah is saying, you're clarifying your mind, you're getting your mind closer and closer to Hashem. By that toil, that work, that delving, that back-breaking toil, that will get you closer to Hashem. That is serving God. By trying to understand, when you sit in front of a Gemara, and you sit there for two hours, or three hours, and you're fighting about an ox, and he fell into a pit, and who owns it? And you said, I never owned the ox, and I'm not digging a pit. What am I doing here? By doing and fighting, and saying, no, then Ashbaz says this, and Tosafot says that, and Ashish says this, and then Abban says that, and he really means that, and you're sweating, and you're working, and you're thinking. That time, even if, you never, you don't even have a conclusion. You come out, I don't know. There's so many different opinions, I don't know. You did something. That toil, that avodah, that otota avod, that serving God, that's called getting close to Hashem. In fact, the halakha says, is halakha in Shukhan that if a person is someone who Torah is, his main thing in life, and the example they use, like, Rabbi Shimon by Yochai, and that's his whole life, if he's in the middle of studying Torah, he does not have to stop to pray. doesn't have to stop to pray. Why? Because he's getting closer to Hashem. He's doing that service and connection to Hashem. All those things that Tefillah does, he's doing with his Rashi. He's doing it with his Gemara. He's doing it with his Mishnah. He's doing it with that. And that's getting him closer to God. The purpose 
of Torah study is that you serve, you work, you toil, you break your back over the will of Hashem and understanding what God wants, understanding what He's saying, understanding what the Chachamim are interpreting the will of God and using that to get closer to Borei Olam. That is the concept of study Torah. That's why Torah study is not about the result. The result, of course, you have to be understand, you have to try to get the result because or else you're not you have to try to get to the conclusive halakha because you're not really trying to understand it properly. You're just in the air. But the real concept is trying to delve and understand and relate to what the Torah is telling you. Good? Clear? Good, okay. Let me clarify this. The halakha does conclude that it doesn't apply to anybody in our generation. Because no one could really say with pure confidence that Torah is my main thing, it's the only thing, it's only my only focus on life. And the example is like Rabbi Shemur by Yochai, but it's showing you that the ultimate of Torah study, if it's used properly, will connect you to Hashem in a way that Tefillah does. Even the big rabbis in Israel? Even no matter who. No matter who. No, it doesn't apply to anybody today. Period. Nobody. Anyone you heard of? No, no one. Now, the, we're going to answer that question now about retirement, and then we're going to explain the answer. The answer to the question is a Rashi and this week's parasha. The introduction to the whole story. This week's parasha is a story of the Yosef and the brothers and they sell the brothers are jealous and they sell him and the story and why they sold him and what they were thinking, what he was thinking, what Yaakov was thinking and how this story in the end brought us down to Egypt. But the introduction to the story is by Yeshev Yaakov Yaakov sat in the land of his father, we're in the land of Canaan. Rashi says, by Yeshev, this is a pretty well-known Rashi, not nearly as famous as last week's, but this is pretty well-known. Bikesh Yaakov Leshev Yaakov said, it's now time for me to relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. We'll get there in a minute. I want to relax a little bit. Hashem said, Sadiqim, you're not satisfied with the fact that you're going to get Olam Haba, you think you're getting this world too? And immediately came the story of Yosef. Again, he wanted to relax, and Hashem said, your world, you think you have, you relax in this world, you do that in the next world, and he brought the story of Yosef. Let's put this in perspective. You think relax, and you think Yaakov sitting on the beach, God forbid, drinking pina coladas. God forbid. Yaakov, Avinu, what it means relax, is, let's explain this. What it means relax is, is that after he spent the first part of his life running away from his brother, and then the next 20 years dealing with his father-in-law, and he just came out of a case where his daughter was abused, okay, and his wife died, and now he says, you know what, I'm 108 or 9 years old, and I'd like to sit down and focus my life on studying Torah and learning and being just grounded and settled, and not have to have issues in my life. And Hashem says, no. Again, he's not 65. He's not 45, 65, 95. He's over 100. Okay? And Hashem said, no. Why? The answer is, because it's a, for the focus of this world, and it's very simple, is not ever to say, I'm done. I did it. I did enough. I did this amount. I'm doing my quota. No, no. Yaakov Avinu, you didn't do your quota. Yaakov Avinu, you still have more to do. My father always tells me how he was impressed with this. A few years ago, it was about 10 years ago, 
there was a rabbi from Lakewood, Rabbi Wachvogel. Rabbi Nassim Wachvogel came to deal. You remember he came to deal. And he was raising money for a new set of kolelim that he was starting to open. New kolel that he was opening in different parts of the country. So, how old was the rabbi when he came in? He was like over 90. Over 90. And my father once asked, one of you working, what are you, what's he here? He said, the rabbi is starting a new project. My father said, he's 90 something years old and he's starting a new project? The answer is yes, because we're not here, we're not done. He was the mashkiach of Lakewood Yeshiva for, I don't know, 40, 50 years, and he had thousands of students that he impacted. He's not done. He's not done. If he could start doing more things in his 90s, he did them. That is the way the approach of a Jew to life is, I'm not relaxed. I'm not done. You never, ever, ever done. In fact, I saw a cute explanation to this Rashi, just to further explain this Rashi. He says, he says it's interesting. The Kadir's the Tav Sofer says like this. He says it's interesting. Ya God, the Hashem, Yaakov and Esav, right? Both were brothers. And basically, at everything said and done, Yaakov was promised, righteous people, Yaakov and his descendants were promised Olam Haba, and Esav was promised Olam Hazir. Yaakov was promised the world to come, and Esav was promised this world. Okay, he says, but you know what's funny about it? Is that all the Yaakovs in the world are never said, never confident that they have Olam Haba. And all the Esavs in the world are totally confident about the Olam Haba. But they're never confident about the Olam Hazeh. You ever see people out there, you see a rabbi who studies 80 hours a week, that he says to himself, I'm afraid I didn't learn for 10 minutes, i got to make sure I catch the 10 minutes. You have other people who barely learn 45 minutes a week, who drop the 45 minutes in a drop of a hat. You have people that say, you got to the world, and you people, just even not Jewish people, you talk to them, they got to the world. You're religious, yes, I believe. You believe in the afterlife, yes, I believe good people go to the next world. As long as I'm basically a good person, that's good. They serve their God maybe once or twice a year, they show up, they get a present, they walk in, they walk out, they have a little <laughs> confession, and there, as long as I'm basically relatively on the decent side of things, I'm good for the world to come. That's all there, that's the whole thing. But this world, making money and making being famous and being important and being uh, successful those things they got they're nervous about it every minute every second of every day the world to come that's cool and then you find other people who are great sadiqi righteous people are the opposite their world to come they're nervous about this world they're satisfied with the bare minimum world to come they're nervous about Hashem promised you the world to come why are you nervous Hashem promised you this world why are you nervous the answer is he says like this because if Sadiqim, righteous people, would have, would not be nervous about the world to come, then they would have Olam Hazer too. They'd have too much Olam Hazer, it'd be too easy. They'd have, uh, they'd be confident about this world and the next world. They have, if they would never, weren't nervous about the next world, they'd be satisfied, they'd be settled. So Hashem doesn't want us to have full Olam Hazer. Mm-hmm. And He says, there's opposites with those people, that those people were nervous about the world to come, they might focus on it. So Hashem sort of gave them a little trick. Hashem sort of made them this way, all you have is Olam Hazeh. You know why? Because you're not thinking about Olam Haba. So you end up not having Olam Haba. You think it's good? When you think it's good, you're not worried about it. You follow that? You didn't get that? Let me explain that again. I knew what you didn't get. Okay. It's like this. Is that when you know Hashem was sort of promised that, that the descendants of Yaakov are going to have Olam Haba and not really Olam Hazeh. And the descendants of Esau are going to have Olam Haba and not really... Excuse me. Are going to have Olam Hazeh and not really Olam Haba. You got it? So now... 
How does Hashem ensure that we have the next world and not this world by making us worried about the next world? By us being worried about the next world, we're ensured to get the next world and we're ensured to never be full, never fully have total indulgence in this world. Other, the, the descendants of Esau are the opposite. How does Hashem ensure that they have this world and not the next world? By making them not worried about the next world. Once they're not worried about the next world, they're not really going to get anything in the next world because they think it's cool. They never think about it. They're not focused on it. And this world, they'll have because they're not thinking about the next world. You got it? So Hashem set it up that way. He tricked them, so to speak. He tricked us into making sure we have Olam Abba. He tricked them into making sure they don't have Olam Abba. So that's what Hashem did with Yaakov Avinu. Hashem, Yaakov Avinu knew, they say he knew, that if all his, if all his children live him, outlive him, he knew that he was guaranteed Olam Abba. So if Yaakov would have settled down here, even at 107, 8, whatever the age was, even if he was going to settle down here at this age, and be confident that all his children were all going to be alive, all 12 of his sons and his daughter were all going to be alive, and he was going to have nothing to worry about. Olam Abba was guaranteed. Everything was going to be perfect. Hashem said, no, no, no. I want to make sure that you still keep pushing and keep growing, keep doing. So Hashem made him lose one son for 22 years. So for 22 years, he thought that he didn't have his son, and therefore he thought Olam Haba wasn't guaranteed. If he thought it wasn't guaranteed, he was going to work and make sure to keep plowing to make sure that he does receive that Olam Haba. You understand the concept? You got it? Good. I'll give you an example of this kind of what is what? Exactly. Hashem, so to speak, kept Yaakov Avinu. Uh, how did he do that? By making him think that he didn't have he lost his son. So making him think that Olam Abba wasn't guaranteed, it would make Yaakov Avinu work to keep making sure to make sure that he deserves that Olam Abba. Not to be settled at 108. There was Amazon just came out with a new thing. Let me just give you an example. Amazon came out with a new thing. You know, you're, give me, you're going to give me your point in a minute. Amazon, you heard of Amazon.com? They just came out with a new thing called the Kindle. Anyone here had a Kindle? Yeah, heard of the Kindle? New item. It's a book. Computer book. You have a little book. I think it's the size of a book, shape of a book. Size of a book. It's a little computer type thing. No wires, no anything. And you read books on it. It can hold like two, three hundred books. And with a memory chip, it can hold hundreds more. And you have, and you could go to Amazon. You have a, you know, virtual library of, I don't know what, thousands of books. And you put them on what? How much is it? I don't know. You put all the books on and you could, you could make the letters. If you get old, as you get older, you can make the words bigger and smaller. And you could zoom in. It's really true. You could zoom in and out. And you could check up different phrases and you could do different things. It's great. You could even go online and stuff while you're reading the book. And there's no, again, there's no wires, no anything. So it's a big item. They're planning that this might be the next thing, like the next iPod. Now, Amazon.com is very successful. Amazon.com doesn't need this Kindle. But the answer is, you know what, if you just say I'm successful, then you're still reading. But you know what, in 10 years from now, you'll be still watching VHS. You know what, at this point, these things start to slow, start to, if you're in a business and you say, you know what, I'm good. I'm sure Fuji was good. Is Fuji around anymore? They yeah. used to have film. No? Do they, what do they do now? Does anyone? What I'm saying to you is that the world and industry keeps everyone knows this in business. In business, everyone knows that you have this, you have tapes, and then you have CDs, and then you have iPods, and you have, and you have to keep being ahead of the way. And if you're just going to say, if Apple's going to be happy, we made the iPod, we're great, for the next three, two, three years, they may be good, but by five years from now, someone else will come out with some item, the shuffle, the nano, I don't know what, 
something that will put them out of business. So is the Kindle going to make it? I don't know. But you know what? If you want to be successful, there's somebody's going to come up with something that's going to replace books. Most people believe that. At some point, somebody's going to replace the book. So the question is, what it's going to be, and who's going to make it, and how it's going to be done. And maybe this won't be the thing. Maybe it'll be something in five years from now. But everyone knows if it's online, whether it's the fax machine. The fax machine was the coolest thing when it came out. But that fax paper, I'm sure the whole industry of making fax paper. Two years later, no one in the world owns fax paper. Anyone here has fax paper? No such thing anymore. The point is it comes in and it goes out. You ever, when the minute you say, everyone knows it's a business, right or wrong? What? The minute you know, right, the minute you say, I accomplish, that you're not pushing forward, you're dead. Abraham, God wanted to make sure that Yaakov Avinu didn't think. Even at this point in his life, even all he went through, that Yaakov Avinu didn't think, my mission was accomplished. Hello? My mission was accomplished. Yaakov Avinu wanted, so God may lose his son, so to speak, he didn't really lose him, but made him think he lost his son for 22 years, so that Yaakov Avinu will keep making sure that on his level, he keeps going and going. The concept of retirement is totally poison. Now again, person wants to retire and use it to serve Hashem in some way and keep better, of course that's great. But if the concept of retirement is that I'm done and I'm now on like the other side of the hill now, and I just sort of cruise and watch my life from the rear view mirror, that is absolutely against Torah. If you want to use it again to go to Florida and to relax and then you do your work, you're serving there or you're working there or you're, and you just want to have it a little easier or you're learning there or something like that, that's beautiful. That's great. Or you want to use it for more time for chesed or more time for good things, that's phenomenal. But if it's just to say, I'm done, you're never done. Yaakov Avinu at 108 wasn't done. So you also never could say, I'm done. Let me make this point clear. That's why I started you about what the point of to- what Torah study is about. Torah study is serving Hashem. Sometimes Hashem could decide that for you, I'd rather that you serve me in a different way. I'd rather that you grow in a different way. Hashem didn't want Yaakov Avinu just to sit there for the next 15, or next 20 years and just study Torah simply without any issues. That you, maybe you would have thought that. That's what Yaakov Avinu thought. God said, no, I want you to serve me this way. Serve me by thinking that your son's not around. Serve me by thinking that maybe there's an issue in the family. Serve me by thinking that maybe there's a blemish in your descendants. And that will push, will be a, a greater way. Like I said, when you understand what Torah study is about, Torah study is about the fact that it is your way, the greatest vehicle of getting close to Hashem and serving God. Serving God. And therefore, <coughs> Hashem could decide that there's a better way to do it. And Hashem decided for Yaakov Avinu, for you, this was a better way to do it. Even though it's harder, this is a greater way for you to get close to me. There's another example of this in this week's parasha. I want to keep, I'm using it as, because that's what you say. Yaakov Avinu wasn't going to retire to play God. God forbid. He was going to retire to learn. Right? That's what he was going to do. So, his point is, even though he was going to retire to learn, Hashem said, I want you to serve me greater. And that's going to be through this issue. In fact, the pasuk, there's another example of this in the parasha. It's, it's in chapter... If on page 195, you want to see, it says that Yosef was, Yosef went down to Egypt and the Potiphar um, owned him and so on and Yosef is in his house and he's being successful. And then the Pasuk says, I'm on, I'm on page 195. Right now Yosef, Yosef, 
Potiphar, this Egyptian guy, left everything in the hand of Yosef. And he didn't know, he didn't bother about anything. He just ate and where everything Yosef handled everything. But he, Yosef, Yosef was good looking. So Rashi again says, Rashi says, what is Yosef, what does that mean? He was good looking. It says that in the beginning of the parasha, it says it again here. What is it? He's good looking. And that he took care of himself and he kept himself good. As she says, you're in Egypt. You think now that, you know what? Now I'm settled in. I got my position. I have a good job. Now you're starting to call yourself like you're strong, like you're powerful, like you're confident. Immediately Hashem brought the bear. That she said, what's the bear? The bear is the wife of Potiphar that tested him into the bed and that almost caused the sin. What is that Hashem saying the same thing? You think you're done? You think you're accomplished? You think you're comfortable? No such thing. Now again, put this in perspective. This is Yosef. The man was sold out to Egypt. Throw, almost killed. Thrown into a pit with snakes and scorpions. Sold down with, with the, the, the Ishmaelim. Brought down to Egypt. Brought down in, in jail for years. Taken out. Serving his house. A faraway country in a faraway place. The poor man is not looking to go on a cruise for two months. The poor man is just trying to say, I'm settled in. Hashem says, no. You don't settle in. Again, this example is the same message that a Jew never says, I'm settled, I'm done, I accomplished. I'll give you another example. How about a day off? Again, a day off, of course, is fine. Again, there's nothing wrong with a vacation, and there's nothing wrong with going to Florida, and nothing wrong with even retiring technically. It's the concept and the mindset of thinking that I did enough that now I'm good, now I'm rolling. In fact, there's a... Um, in the story of Hanukkah, there's an amazing thing is that the descendants, you know the Hashmonaim, we celebrate these people on Hanukkah. These are the great family, we celebrate them. They defeated the Greeks, they're our people, they're, they're, they're our heroes, right? The Maccabim, you all know them, the Maccabim has a great story. 200 years later, not one descendant of Hashwanaim was alive. There was not one descendant of that family. There was no descendant of that family alive. None. Why? You know this? The Hashwanaim family, there's not one descendant left from that family. Why? What? Because they retired. The answer is like this. It's because, no, no, not they retired. They, they went and they fought. Dan, if you're going to answer the question, you have to be here. They fought. No, no. They fought. They, con- they beat. They conquered. They saw it was the head of Hashem. They were outnumbered by a tremendous amount. They won. And Hashem saved them. And Hashem brought the miracle. They said, you know, we accomplished enough. Now is deserving for us to be king. We're ready to be king. We did it. We're good. Look at us. Now we should be on this level of being king. Hashem said, you overstepped yourself. You were supposed to be there. This is what you accomplished. <coughs> don't decide that it means more than it means. And don't decide that you can be a king that you're not deserving to be. And they thought that there was something that they thought there was something they were not. And because of that, the entire family was destroyed. Again, the point is that sometimes you say that because I accomplished and therefore if I did this, I'm deserving of this, and I'm deserving of being taken care of, and I'm deserving of the respect, and I'm deserving of the, of be, of the glory of being the king. Because look, we're the one who did the work. We deserve to be the king. No, no, no. You're not deserving of anything. You did all that you did. You know what you're deserving to do? It's to keep doing. 
You're 60, you're 70, you're 80, you're 90. You say, oh, now I should get, I should have a dinner in my honor. No, no, no. You know what you deserve if you're 90 and you did all these great accomplishments? Do another accomplishment. That's what he deserves. That's the, what, the focus of... Julius, okay, my, exactly. That's my point is you could retire. I'm not saying you can't retire. My point is not to be in the mindset of saying that now all I have to do... No, again. What is that saying to So if a guy, if a person says that there's certain things I was doing that I can't do anymore, then I'm going to burn out or I burnt out on two over whatever. I'm older now, I can't do that. There's nothing wrong with that. Of course, there's nothing no, wrong with that. Me. No, what's that? Here's what I'm answering. He should make his son continue doing that job that he's Okay, doing. that's beautiful. I agree with you on that. But I'm, my point. That's what he should do. No, he shouldn't stop doing that stuff. He, he, somebody in his family should take it over. My point is, yes, that's true. But my point is, there is or isn't someone. People living off of it. Someone can have, say, that this that I did. I can't do it anymore. Even if there's no one take over, I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. There's such a thing. You get older, you get 60, 70, 80. You're not, you're not as strong as you were when you're 30 and 40. That you can say that. But the mindset shouldn't be that now I'm just going to go to my backyard, sit on my hammock, and cut tomatoes. That's your mindset. Then you're no, but there's people. Of course not. Like I said, majority of the country understands interprets retirement as that. As let me explore other countries. And let me cut tomatoes, and let me sit on my hammock. A non-Jew has, uh, doesn't have to go in. Right, but the point is not just to say, okay, I'll pray shakit, you know, to pray three times a day. The point is to use that time still to be moving, growing, and to be moving forward, and to be changing, and growing, and doing, and to start new projects. Anyone with that at 75, 85, starting a new project, or being involved in a new thing. You may not do it with the same energy you had when you were 35, but you still could, that's what we're here to do, is to keep moving until Hashem decides you can't do it anymore. That's the goal and the purpose of a Jew. In fact, there was the, the, there's always a, a great point. I, I don't, there's a few rabbis that made this point. That there's four people who didn't sin. You know this, right? There are four people who didn't sin. You know the four people never sinned. There's Yishai, that's the father of the father of David, Kilab, the father, the son of David, Benjamin, and Amram, the father of Moshe Rabbeinu. Here's what's interesting about these four people: is that almost all four of them are not the top personalities, so to speak, that you hear in the Torah. When you ask the list of the people that are a big part of the Jewish of our history, you talk about Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, Aaron, David, Shlomo, and you keep going again. Did you think of different people? You uh, Eliad, the Nevi'im, the different prophets that we have. You don't think that much about Amram and Yishai. One commentary says, you know what? What's the point? The point is that, yes, those other people, those Moshe and Abraham, Yitzhak, Yaakov, they went and they were changing the world. And they were changing the people and changing the future of our nation. When you do that, you're going to make a mistake or two. It's going to happen. But if your mindset is, I'm moving and I'm doing and I'm doing. And that's better than to say, I'm going to sit at home and make sure I'm protected and I never sin. We want you to go out and do. Because again, if your focus is, I'm going to go and I'm going to grow, sometimes you're going to risk something. If you're going to go and you're going to, things get in the way, things happen, you get involved with people, you get involved with different things, you get tests along the way. Yes, if you stay at home and say, you know what, 
I get an income from somebody somewhere, let's say, you have automatic income, you just pray three times a day, you go to school, you learn all day. You don't do no, any sin. You don't talk to anybody. You say, I'm not going to talk to anyone because if I talk to anyone, even if I'm doing chesed, I'm going to eventually talk to Lashon Hara. Mistake. Go talk, do the chesed, try not to talk to Lashon Hara, of course, do as hard as you can. And yes, so all these people all made a sin. Abraham, Ishaq, Yagor, Moshe, they all made some sort of sin on their level. But why? Because they were out and they were doing and they were changing they weren't settling. God forbid, I'm not belittling, Hashem Shalom to belittle those four people. But like I'm saying to you, I'm just saying to you that Abraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov, Moshe, and Aaron, David, and Shalom were greater. Why were they greater? Because they were people who were, in some ways, you go to forefathers, not exactly, of what our people. That's the mindset. I once saw two people, and it sticks to my mind, my whole, like, all my life, of these two people, I once saw these two people, oh, and I was like 10 years ago, 15 years ago, Two older men, Syrian men in the community, I think they were both like in their 90s, and they were both being wheeled by people in their wheelchair, like by uh, someone who would help her or something, okay, and they stopped, and one man says to the other, both Syrian men, maybe one of them was Victor Azraq, and one said to the other, that, uh, hi, and they're talking, and this and that, so one of the helpers said, you know what, he has to go now, but how about, if he comes, how about if you guys, maybe, you know, you get together for a breakfast or something one day. So the other guy is like 94 years old. He says, no, 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 I can't get to breakfast on breakfast on Monday. I have to go to the office. He's still working. And he's still going 94. So what do you mean? 94, he's still going to office? Even at 94, the answer is that's how you become 94. By knowing that you keep doing, you keep doing, you keep doing, you're not settled. Again, it's not the point that he's, what he's doing in work and making money. It's not that he's still made the point of making money. It's the point that his mindset is, I'm not Yeshev. I'm not done. I'm not accomplished. It's not over. That is the mindset that we have of Jews. Like I said, there's this Mishnah. The Mishnah says that... Uh, it's too hard to explain now. The point of the Mishnah is that there's a st- the store is open and they're taking and the writing down what you do and they're checking what your actions are and the essence of saying this is that every day you're out there and you're buying and you're doing and just like the Kindle and Amazon they're making millions on Amazon.com and they're not satisfied because they know that you know they're making millions over books and 10 years from now books won't be there and just like you know Blockbuster a lot of deal I shouldn't use a DVD but they're making millions renting DVD VHS and then they switch to DVD and then they're doing online and then doing stuff you know why? again I don't know exactly but I just you hear about it how? Why? Because they know you stand still for two years, especially nowadays, you're over. The same thing is true with Torah. You stand still, you're over. You have to keep on moving. Keep on moving, keep on plugging. One last analogy, I'm going to say a little more, we don't have time. One last analogy, as I saw, uh, my father told us over once, there was a guy, there was a marathon, or maybe it was in Boston, and they sent runners from a bunch of different countries, oh no, it was the Olympics, and they sent runners from a bunch of different countries, and what, what? No, no, it was the Olympics. It wasn't Boston. It wasn't Boston. They sent the Olympic marathon. Anyhow, they had the runners of a bunch of different countries. And there was a runner from one of these small countries. I don't know, Uganda, something like that, small country. Anyhow, they ran the race. The race was over. And almost everyone was done. And this runner is still running. He's still running. He's still running. He's behind everyone else. He's still running. He's still running. <laughs> Finally, they got to the end, and he had to, everyone was done, he got to the end. So someone asked him, he said, you know, you lost the race, you didn't, why are you still, why are you still running? He said, they didn't send me from my country to start the race. 
They sent me to finish the race. That's the same thing as true. Hashem didn't put you on this world to start the race. He didn't put you here to do a few things when you're 20 or 25 or 30 or 35, 40. Hashem put you here to keep going and going. Hashem put you here to finish the race.